Welcome to the Start Podcast. Greg Mackling on behalf of Loren McNabb and a vacationing Brett McGarry. We have some fun today, but also some serious conversation about addiction. It's impacting communities right across our province. We'll find out about a new drug in Winnipeg, another new drug that is devastating to addicts in our community. Marion Willis from St. Boniface Street Links will give us some details. And we will also go to Thompson, Manitoba to speak with the mayor there to find out what she would like to see as the province prepares to release its new addiction and treatment programs in an announcement anticipated later today. Also, President and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club will officially announce that Winnipeg will host the 2025 Grey Cup game. Wade Miller joined us this morning on Breakfast with the Bombers. We'll find out what does hosting the Grey Cup mean to Winnipeg and to the football club in particular. That and much else coming up. It's the start on demand. Let's get right down to business. Good morning. It's a Tuesday on the start. Mackling and McNabb with you. McGarry returns on Thursday. Winnipeg Jets in action tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes. Our coverage gets underway at 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock face-off. Is every Jets game day now going to be a game day for you? Yes. Like we've entered that zone. It sort of feels like the start of the season where there's the excitement. And so every game you're waiting to see how the team looks. And now you're in pre-pre. Like I feel like a month ago was pre-pre playoffs. And now it's pre-playoffs. Yes. And then it's playoffs. All right. I'll have to prepare a way to cope with that. Hopefully. Uh, You know what? Uh, Not that I'm not interested to cope with... Help you cope with that, maybe be a better way to <laughs> Thank put it. You. <laughs> because I'll need some help. That's all along I'm the way, right? Unless the Jets ultimately win the Stanley Cup at some point, I'm going to really need some help to get through a difficult time mm-hmm. when the Jets season ultimately comes to a conclusion. So I'll be counting on you as as my friend, as my coworker, as sure. co-host, to uh, guide me through the difficult times ahead. What we have to keep in perspective is that sports exist to allow you to take your mind off more serious problems. So uh, are let you it shift- be are like you go- this panacea okay. I'm for other my things eyes. in life. As you're watching mm. them skate down the ice, yes. find the good in that moment. The moment you got to cheer, maybe it was the beer, the popcorn, cotton candy, I don't know. Yeah, Find see, a way to take it you're in. You're talking you about know, baseball now. <laughs> I always, when I have a sporting event going on, and, and we're going to get more into this later this morning because we're hoping to get more details on the Grey Cup that's coming to Winnipeg. We're going to speak to Wade Miller in our Breakfast with the Bombers segment at 7.37. And at 6.45, we're going to ask a question for a chance to win tickets, multiple tickets to different things. You're going to have a choice that's related to sports. But I will just say that the... Even on things that I'm not that interested in, like a Super Bowl, for example, right. you can always find a reason, like the nachos, you know, like. Well, and that's why. So I say, that's why I say maybe you, set up some good food for your Jets night. No, so at the very least, you can look back and no, you know. But those no, salt and pepper wings were tasty. No, I can't. Okay. No, it's far too important. It's 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 more important that it ought to be. It's more important that it has any right to be. But this is my life, and has been my life for uh, 45 years or so since I fell in love with the Jets at six years old and fell in love with the Blue Bombers at a similar time. So, uh, no, there's no turning that back. Uh, But uh, baseball, I just realized, is only a couple of weeks away, opening day. Uh, I think it's at the end of March. I don't don't even think it's into April. I think it's in March, in fact. March 30th, you're right. Yeah, so spring training is in uh, full effect. I was lucky enough to go to opening day at Yankee Stadium 
one year against the, the 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 Yankees and the Red Sox. So as you mentioned, we'll talk about sporting events, the things that you ever dreamed about doing and places you've dreamt about going with regard to sport as uh, we anticipate the Blue Bombers. Christian O'Mell calling it the worst kept secret in Winnipeg, the fact that the, the Grey Cup is coming to Winnipeg in 2025. Yes, yeah, some more with Wade Miller at 737, where he might just say he'll tell us more later because their announcement is <laughs> later this morning. But we'll find out. We're going to have sure. some fun today. And of course, we have some uh, things that we need to talk about. You just heard in the news run the story of the random stabbing in downtown, a man who stabbed two different people. And police are just saying that it was potentially because he was high and not in his right frame of mind. I mean, who is in the right frame of mind when you're stabbing someone? But the concern about drugs and crime. We're going to chat more about a new drug that's on the street at 637 that's super toxic. It's not meant for human consumption, but it's being cut into drugs, illicit drugs that are being bought by Winnipeggers and Manitobans. And then later today, the province is supposed to announce some cash or a plan or some more treatment opportunities for people with addictions. And they're not doing it in Winnipeg. It's an announcement in Portage La Prairie, which tells you that they're taking a look at the outside perimeter effect. I think we often look at Winnipeg and what's going on in Winnipeg, but you're seeing it everywhere. I was saying I was in a small town for one of the kids hockey the other day, and they had a note at the gas station saying, please leave your backpacks at the front. Only X number of people in the store at the time. Later went back to that store. It closes at a certain hour when it never used to before, and that's crime and drug related in a small town. And this is something we've been used to seeing in the city of Winnipeg for years and years. But now, as you mentioned, Lorend, we're, we're seeing it in other communities. And so uh, that announcement today. Uh, a lot, and then we're also going to focus in our next segment on an announcement made yesterday, investment in infrastructure. And we're going to focus on the perimeter because that has been a, a, a source of frustration for tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Manitobans over the years. As we as we broaden our horizons and travel across North America, we quickly realize, and you don't have to go too far, you just have to go to Saskatchewan to realize that Manitoba has really fallen behind with regard to highway infrastructure, bypasses, interchanges, etc., eliminating traffic signals on the Trans-Canada Highway. Well, a move one step closer to not getting rid of all of them across the province, but at least getting rid of a couple of more. Uh, so we'll talk about that. The point of the investment. perimeter built in 1950s was to get people around Winnipeg as quickly as possible to avoid regional congestion. And then we put up a bunch of lights. So where are they looking to remove those lights? Where would you like to see lights removed? Maybe yes. we'll have that at uh, 6.15-ish. That's right. And then, of course, as you mentioned, uh, we'll talk about uh, highway safety and you know, is is the is the divided highway as critical to safety as we imagine that it is? Is good driving surfaces as critical to safety as we think it is? I, I think I know the answer. It might be pretty obvious, but we're going to discuss that side of it as well. On a serious tone, later this morning, the province is going to share more on its plans to expand further addiction treatment services in this province, an announcement that comes just hours after one local advocate says they're dealing with yet another threat. We lost a person every day last week just in our organization amongst those uh, individuals that we are wrapping supports around. We lost three, we lost an individual every day last week. That was Marion Willis, founder of St. Boniface Street Links. She's also a social worker and she says, 
Not only are there a growing number of Manitobans dying from illicit drugs, we've seen that in some of the overdose deaths in the last year, there's this growing concern about a newer and potentially lethal drug called xylazine. It's being cut into fentanyl. It is a, tra- a, a tranquilizer that's used to uh, tranquilize large animals that's actually been cut uh, into the fentanyl. And it's uh, uh, Narcan or naloxone resistant. So uh, the, um, the medication that, that we give uh, to bring people around uh, doesn't work. So think about that. We have this life-saving antidote and it's not necessarily working in this case. And so public health officials across this country have been talking about it. In Montreal, they just put out a warning this week on xylazine. Again, a drug that's an animal tranquilizer that's not for human consumption. The United States put a warning about this drug out last fall, saying it was being cut increasingly into drugs and it's designed to keep users higher for longer, but with deadly consequences. Marion Willis says it's not clear why this drug is being put into anything, but that the police are doing their best to try to keep it off the streets. They're doing a great job on the suppression side of it. But I think for everything you suppress, there's a new shipment in from somewhere else, it seems. Uh, the drug use is uh, increasing. It certainly hasn't reduced. The uh, It's becoming more lethal all the time. Um, and uh, I don't know, I guess those that are making the drugs have a way of making sure that everybody is addicted to everything. We really saw the shift to fentanyl use during the pandemic when access to um, um, uh, crystal methamphetamines really dried up as uh, it was difficult to move it and it was difficult, I think, for the cartels to get the uh, the substances that they used to actually make it. And then, of course, the uh, fe- the uh, fentanyl and heroin, which is what you call down, is highly, highly um, addictive. And um, people will do just about anything to satisfy that addiction. It's a really deep, deep addiction. It's uh, And it's ravishing, as you know. Um, uh, people from every demographic and all ages. Every demographic and all ages. And I don't know if that can be stressed enough because I know what some of you are thinking right now. You might be thinking, too bad, but not my problem. You might be thinking... Too bad, but how about you don't do drugs, which is a lack of understanding on addictions and the issues that lead people to addictions, I think, Grave. And at the very least, you know, considering how pervasive illicit drugs are on our street and the problems that are causing, not just the loss of life, the loss of family, how about the cost to our system? Or, Greg, you know, in our news, we're talking about, again, this man who went around stabbing people, allegedly. Police believe he was high on something. So at the very least, it's also impacting crime. And there's all sorts of reasons to care, but you brought up a good point this morning about how we somehow decide when we care based on a person and our feelings in that moment. You or I may be fortunate enough, say we fall into addiction for whatever reason. Um, we would have supports in terms of our job, maybe in terms of our family because of our socioeconomic situation. We may have the thousands of dollars required to go into private treatment and... I don't care which biography you read about any celebrity, but I've yet to read one. Well, there is one. Uh, there's a story, the Dave Grohl biography. Dave himself not impacted, but of course, his bandmate, his bandmate Taylor Hawkins, almost died. You know, 25 years before he actually uh, died, and you know, some of the um, questions around his passing remain for some. 
But the whole idea that we celebrate this recovery from addiction for for superstars, for athletes, for We applaud. We say good for you for speaking yeah. out. Thank you for telling Thank- us about your story. And and we still revere them. We still Because it makes them human. Them. It does make them human. But somehow that humanity tends to get lost based on where and what drug of choice is being consumed. You know, lots of us like to consume al- alcohol. Many, many people in our society are alcoholics, but because of where they get to consume their drug of choice, the judgment does not exist for those who are consuming drugs on the street. Those that don't have shelter, don't have a place to call their own. I want to leave you with this final thought from Marion Willis, who's with St. Boniface Street Links on just who's dying and, and who's trying these drugs. If you could really just get to know some of the people that are out there using substances, they were the kids next door. You know, they were the kids that were hanging out with your kids that spent time in your basement watching movies, you know, doing all the things that your kids were doing. And uh, it's just horrific. You know, this isn't always what people seem to think it is. Uh, The face of addiction is a very diverse face. It's everybody's face. And uh, it's it's just it's horrific. After seven not just a Winnipeg plot problem. We're going to get more into what rural communities are seeing when it comes to drugs and crime, Greg. Somebody that I know who has passed away in his early 50s, he was like a baby brother to me back in the day, and I'm going to do my best to make sure that this is anonymous, but he was a very good hockey player once upon a time, and there was a lot of pressure on him to perform on the hockey rink, and he would use asthma inhalers, on the bench in order to give him a shot of energy before he'd go on the ice, Sudafed, all, anything. This is when we were 14, 15, 16 years old. And in his 20s, he became addicted to cocaine. And so these things happen to people in your circle and you don't even realize it. You don't realize the origins. You don't sometimes realize it's happening before it's too late. And so as a community, this is, this is our responsibility in my mind. Others may turn their back on that notion. For me, this is a, a problem that can strike anyone and you just have no idea the reasons and the individuals that might be dealing with these things. Christian O'Mal calling it the worst kept sport or worst kept secret in sport. We anticipate hearing officially that Winnipeg, Manitoba, the Winnipeg Football Club will host the 2025 Grey Cup game here in Winnipeg at IG Field in November of 2025. Loren McNabb, Cameron Poitras, Jeff Forche, and Skylar Peters in for Jeff Braun. Is that for the rest of the week, Skylar P? That is correct. Now, you've just come back uh, from an incredible experience at a sporting (laughs) event. If you want to weave that into the question this morning, we don't want to talk about the ones we've been to. We want to talk about the ones that you want to see. But if you want to... You know, humble brag for 30 seconds <laughs> cool. about where you've been for the last four or five days. Feel free to do so on this platform. Okay, I will do it in like 20 seconds or less. Uh, I went to the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass uh, last week. It was uh, an annual golf trip. 
I think ninth annual with these guys from Manitoba. My first time, my first time watching guys on tour. Uh, I golf all the time. I kind of wish Brett McGarry was here because we could talk about how much better these guys are than us. It's it's not like. You play Did beer? you need last week to confirm that for you? Like up until this yeah. moment, well, you were no, like, I'm, you know, I think I could play. Like, now I, can dance now with these I understand. I've, I've always said golf is the hardest sport to make it pro in, but it's not like being a beer league hockey player and going and watch Mark Shifley and, and the Jets. It, it, they are way better than, than you at their sport. It's crazy. So, um, watching the tour was probably top of this list actually until uh, until Friday afternoon for okay me. so what's on your list now what is uh, replaced it as where Skyler Peters wants uh, to go I'm next? a massive Seahawks fan Seattle Seahawks fan and I still have not seen them play uh, a regular season game I had a trip derailed by COVID uh, in Arizona last year uh, travel restrictions in week three of last season but they're playing yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals in Ohio this year my best friend Sean's a Bengals fan we don't know when the game is because the schedule comes out in May but uh, we're going to go. We're going to enjoy like some Skyline Chili. I'm introducing, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting myself along on that on trip. Down. Come I'm on Cincinnati. Down. I'm going there this summer myself. We put chili did on we, everything there. Yeah. Did chili your trip the, involve dads recently? Yeah. Or, right. So was, did you need another dad along like Greg on this? Uh, you had to ruin today. We might need some supervision. I, so. I, can, I can buy alcohol. I don't know if you're old enough to <laughs> I, buy the alcohol. I, yeah. I think I am. <laughs> I think you are too. Jeff Forche, what about you? You see, I've never been to any NFL game. So for me, I think I'd like to go to a Minnesota Vikings game. That's yes. right. Minnesota Vikings. That's my team. <laughs> Seahawks going down. I'm just, I, actually, I, I don't have a team. I just <laughs> I picked Minnesota just because if I were to go to a, a NFL game, it'd be in Minnesota because it's the closest. So I just And the unbelievable the stadium. arena. Yeah. Yeah. I know, yes. And I was just looking at it. Uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. Huge. And like I love you know, do the whole experience. The tailgating. But experience the stadium and just experience that crowd. How many? What's the uh, seventy-three thousand? Yep. Well, seventy-three thousand people. You can yep. find a ticket in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sounds good. What about you, Cam? Uh, I've only ever seen one uh, American football game, and I could not believe that they played football on that teeny tiny little field. Uh, growing up watching Blue Bomber games, like it was the first thing I looked. I was like shocked. It's like you guys play football on that thing. It's like it's like a hockey rink size. Like it's ridiculous. But um, uh, I, I've never been to like an NFL game though. I went down to the uh, University of North Dakota. Uh, my oh aunt, at the Alaris Center. Yeah, that's right. My and my aunt knew, uh, knew one of the players there, and he was performing and stuff that's like that. Neat. But yeah, um, but you know, I, I I have no want to go to the Super Bowl. It's too corporate. It's all that sort of thing. It's not really like a fans event. It's more of like thank our corporate sponsors with tickets to the Super Bowl, which I'm not interested in. Um, but I would love to go to a World Cup where it's like the entire world all comes together. There's going to be fans from everywhere uh, on earth and everybody's kind of uh, joining together to kind of take part in one in one massive sporting event. I just think the amount of stories and like experiences you'd be able to fit into a very, very small amount of time, I think would be would be the best at, at, a, at a World Cup. Well, 2026, it's coming pretty close. Yeah, to only Vancouver and Toronto. Yeah, well, so that's it's not too bad. There'll be some options down south <laughs> yeah, within a day or two's oh, drive, oh, you know. Yeah, that, I think Minnesota might be in in the running there, too. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. What about oh. you, McNabb? That would be high on my list. I, I've been to live soccer events in Zimbabwe and, and in uh, England for Fulham, and that was super fun. Soccer fans are the hilarious. Cottage. The cottage. That, 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 that stadium is, I think it's 100 years old or something. It had cages to protect you from the other fans chucking beers like it's <laughs> remarkable soccer is fun i would love it to be women's soccer team canada if i did it but on the opposite end of things i know nothing about 
uh, have you ever watched just World Dart Championships and they dress yes. up? No, seriously, they're all dressed yep. up. They're all drinking. It's they're yelling party. things. It's a party. I just think that looks great. And I would have no investment or sadness in it if whoever was George McCool, I don't even know a dart player's name, lost. Like, it <laughs> just, you'd be McCool. all dressed up. You'd be out there having a good time in whatever town you went to, Australia or England somewhere, and you'd have a blast. I think it looks like a blast. Where would you like to go? What would sporting event are you uh, dying to see? Which, what's at the top of your bucket list? I know we could do humble brags about where we've been and what we've seen before, but let's talk about the, the dream. Where would you like to go? Mine's been the Spengler Cup for a long time, but I'm shifting it. It's the French Open. I've never been to Paris, and I think it would be a really good experience and an excuse to go to the City of Light. The Provincial Conservatives said in their 2023 budget, more money for addictions treatment beds would be coming. So this morning, we know that the Mental Health and Community Wellness Minister of Manitoba will share what that might look like. And a hint, the announcement isn't being made in Winnipeg, but instead in Portage La Prairie. The mayor of Portage will be there, the Association of Manitoba Municipalities, which tells you it's a province-wide issue, because of course, illicit drugs in smaller communities, Portage, Steinbach, Inner North, are a growing problem. For more on the concern and what leaders in these towns would like to see, we're joined by the mayor of Thompson, Colleen Smoot. Good morning. Good morning. Walk us through what's going on in your community. I know there's all sorts of good news stories, but there's also some challenges in all communities these days when it comes to illicit drugs. What are you seeing? Uh, yeah, uh, there's challenges in the, in the north uh, com- for sure. Uh, basically, uh, you know, our young people have been more involved. Our addictions uh, issues uh, don't go away. And with Thompson being a hub, yeah, we get uh, a lot of people from uh, other communities and that that uh, use Thompson as their uh, unsheltered home and that. So we get to see actually a few more. We've just opened our healing center uh, to deal with uh, addictions and uh shelter uh, sheltering for persons but it definitely our young people it uh, is definitely uh, a thing that needs to be addressed uh, not enough beds uh, for people that want help on parents and that so we're definitely looking forward to some more uh, help up here we've done actually very excellent with the dollars we've had but it's not quite enough just, you know, when we talk about this, because we know it's, it's not like it's new. Drugs have been in communities across this province and country for, you know, as long as dawn of time, I would suppose we could potentially say, uh, Madam Mayor. But have you seen this problem grow worse in recent years? Uh, the drug problem in Thompson, ours is more, we'd like to say we're a drug of choice for more of a cocaine. We've been lucky that we haven't had the meth problem that they do in other southern communities and that. But it's still definitely, I would say, over the pandemic has wreaked havoc, uh, you know, with all the communities, with all the country, actually, uh, with the lockdowns and that. Uh, people have gone more to drugs uh, to, you know, deal with their issues. Colleen, and you know, we have so many people who are, are struggling and there's a certain percentage. You touched on this, the idea that there is a certain percentage of folks that are addicted to whether it's alcohol, illicit drugs or somewhere in between. And they're asking for help, but there aren't spaces for those asking for help. 
What sort of benefit do you think there would be if we had the resources for those at the very least to begin with those that are that are coming that are knocking on the door that are ringing the phone picking up a, a, a you know a, a phone and saying I need some help. Oh, the benefits would be, uh, you know, beyond uh, even imagining. Uh, we we could help, you know. We have hundreds of, of uh, folks just, you know, uh, in our area, never mind other communities around that uh, would benefit. You know, parents would uh, be able to get the children in for help, uh, grandparents and that for, for the younger people. Uh, folks themselves that are uh, struggling on the street with their addictions and that, that are willing to go. Uh, we definitely, any beds that we will get and any dollars we will get will definitely have a huge impact on our community and our north it will definitely uh, be uh, welcomed up here. The announcement coming later this morning, we're not sure what's in it. We know more money has been promised for more beds. What would you like to see? You know, what has your ask been of the province in recent years? Well, we've actually uh, did our community safety and well-being strategy up here. So we're already working. We opened a healing centre in uh, October, which definitely is already uh, reaching... Uh, numbers that are unprecedented so we definitely need uh, to go into the transitional housing stage we need to have homes for folks uh, places that we can bring people who want to get treatment who need treatment and that we can uh, add to our uh, workforce Um, we need definitely in the different entities uh, mental health family services and that we need numbers included in there in order to service any new housing or uh, treatment beds that we do get you mentioned the healing center sorry colleen i just wanted for people who might not know of course this is a shelter formerly situated at the thompson homeless shelter and it's now offering beds for people with nowhere else to stay you said unprecedented so are those beds full every night and how might that compare to to shelters of years past so our shelter in the years past only held 25 persons, so that was definitely a capacity all the time. Uh, this one can take up to 80, and it has been full many times over the course of the winter, too. So that just shows you that our issues uh, in Thompson haven't gone away. We have more people out on the streets, uh, definitely, uh, that are asking for help, and that we want to help, uh, that it definitely need help in order to make our community uh, move ahead in a progressive way. Colleen Smook, Mayor of Thompson, we appreciate your time. Uh, we will look forward to this announcement today and we'll catch up with you in the days ahead to to get your reaction to it. Thanks again. Thank you for your time. It's time for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the cooperators investing in your future Together This morning at 11 a.m., the CFL and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will be making what's being called a special announcement. Loren, we will carry said announcement live on 680 CJOB. Joining us this morning on our Breakfast with the Bombers Tuesday segment is President and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club, Wade Miller. Good morning, Wade. Good morning. So How are you guys? I'm good. I'm excited to know, yes or no, will I be singing the national anthem at the Grey Cup in 2025? I don't think you're ever going to sing the national anthem at a Grey Cup. Oh, wait. All right, fine. Let's skip the national anthem. What can you tell us about what we, I think we all know is coming, but we're looking for some more details. Well, there'll be a special announcement at 11 o'clock, like you said, and uh, we look forward to having the commissioner in town and 
And then also uh, today, we'll, um, you know, the CFL fan base will be unveiled in, in Winnipeg as well for the fans that uh, put their name on the, on the podium, basically, where the Grey Cup will sit. So <clears throat> those fans that signed up for that program in the last two years will be able to see that later today and tomorrow in the uh, Bomber Store. Which, which I know you know is at IG Field, Loren. I know it's there. I've been okay. there. I was actually just thinking about how your sweaters, and I'm not trying to oversell this, but your sweaters are so good that it's hard to go back for more in that they never, they don't get peely. Oh, nice. Like they're good material. Huh. I, yeah. I was thinking actually that the other day. I was like, I'm due for another one because it's been a couple of years, but they are so good. The material is so good. And I would like one that said Grey Cup 2025, Wade. And so when we look ahead, just how important is it for this community and this team that's been so great over the past years to so many fans to be able to host special events? Well, it's, I think it's just great uh, to showcase our province and our city. And, and every time we do large, large events, whether it's the World Police and Fire Games this year or, or different events like that, it's just a great showcase of our, our city and province and the excitement that <clears throat> big events bring is really uh, critical, I think, um, you know, to to the opportunity that we have so um, to showcase and, and just to really, you know, what sets us apart, it's our people, it's our fans of, of, of all the sporting teams in the city. So um, to be able to showcase that uh, is just something special. So, Wade, let, let's go back to 1991 and uh, talk about what Cal Murphy and the Blue Bombers did when they expanded Winnipeg Stadium to nearly 52,000 seats. They sold every one of them. They created a critical multi-million dollar injection into the team's bottom line. And, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say that that Grey Cup saved the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but it went a long way in, in, in creating some stability. How does the Grey Cup work now? Do teams buy the game or does the league own and run it? Uh, it's a combination of both uh, now, which converted in 2018. And, and <clears throat> now the uh, process for a Grey Cup is actually a bid process um, where the city and province and the team have to get together to bid on, on, on the game. So um, very, very competitive. And, uh, you know, so that bid process um, really gets your planning started a lot earlier than it normally would uh, for an event. And, you know, a great cup, the scale that it is and the size, right? So, um, you know, be great to have a great cup again in Hamilton this year, uh, where you're going to see your bombers play in it and then go to BC the year after. So it's, uh, you know, and, uh, by doing this bid process, it does give the cities a longer runway to uh, get ready for the game. Yeah, because this is not just a game; it's a it's a almost week long event. And Regina, you know, we don't like to toot Regina's horn too much, but they did a, a tremendous job of hosting the event uh, last season. And a lot of teams also uh, need and want this as part of uh, driving season ticket sales. It's an opportunity for them to do that. Hypothetically, is that something the Blue Bombers would would do? In a situation where they were hosting the Grey Cup, yeah, Grey Cup's good for uh, for any city, any team that's hosting it leading up into the game. So whether it's season tickets, whether it's single game ticket buyers, uh, it's just good that additional excitement uh, that you bring in. And uh, you know, Grey Cups are a huge undertaking, as we saw in 2015. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot that goes into the Grey Cup. It's just as you said, more than a game. It's a it's a festival. It's it's the lead up to uh, the big game in November. So, um, you know, so there's a lot that goes into it and it's going to be uh, exciting times when we host a great cup here.
also about galvanizing not just the fans and your organization, Wade, but the volunteer base. You know, I recall back in 2015, just the machine that was the volunteers working in and around the stadium. And so you have to have that lead up time to get the people going and signed up. Absolutely. And, you know, in Manitoba, these large scale events, we've just got amazing volunteers, whether it's people that are driving, working the venues. You know, we had a whole fan experience in 2015 at the U of W Recplex that was staffed completely by volunteers. Uh, you know, and you'll have, I, I think it was 1,500 to 2,000 volunteers the last time around. So it's, uh, it's a large, large scale event. Um, you know, and, and that's what Manitobans do. And we show the rest of the country, uh, you know, how you should run these uh, large one time events. Yeah, I, I think that's a very accurate. Uh, Wade, before we let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you your thoughts about the now late, the always great Bug Grant and his impact on the Winnipeg Football Club, even to this day, you know, the 60 plus years after his uh, leaving Winnipeg to, to go to the NFL. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't think we'll ever see it in pro sports where you see a player um, go from being a player to the head coach the next year ever again. And, uh, you know, what he, what he did is set the standard in, in coaching, not just the CFL, but the NFL. And, uh, you, know, you know, you talk about an unbelievable athletic career playing in three different leagues uh, and then his accomplishments as a head coach here in Winnipeg and then also in the NFL is, uh, you know, he left his mark and he did it his own way. And, uh, you know, we're lucky to be able to have, um, you know, had Bud Grant as part of this organization for as many years and had the opportunity to spend some time with him when we did that statue uh, uh, you know, unveiling outside of gate one and uh, you know what a special individual and uh, you know sharp sharp as attack right to the end and you know I think after he was the unveiling here in 2014 I think he was going hunting right after that so, of course yes you know in his 80s right so yeah vital uh, up until the end as he say Wade yeah yeah for sure so um, so, uh, you know, condolences to his family and, and to everybody that uh, was associated with Bud Grant, and he sure left his mark in professional sports. Well said, Wade. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you uh, doing this with us ahead of today's announcement at 11 o'clock. We're excited to hear what will be said, and I'm sure there's a few surprises uh, yet to be unveiled. Uh, thanks very much, and uh, preemptive congratulations. Thank you very much. Have a great day, guys. You too, Wade. want to talk infrastructure in just a moment we also want you to send us your text messages 204-780-6868 a on things you're seeing in traffic this morning things that we may not have discussed things that need to be passed along for your fellow commuters 204-780-6868 and on that note i just want to flag you might be seeing this plume of smoke it's larger and bigger right now from that fire we My had goodness. on spence between Ellis and Sergeant. It's the same fire from what I can tell that they're just working to control, but they're probably at that stage where um, more things within that mm. structure are being consumed. So the, the smoke looks larger. I no longer see flames at that location, but we'll update that when we can. I wanted to fly because you are going to now see the smoke from various corners of the city. And if you're seeing that, that's what we're watching right now from 201.
you have just a little bit of a different view on it. You're actually looking straight down on it, Loren. And just as you said it, that's when I noticed the smoke moving uh, northward across Sargent and now uh, making its way across the sky uh, towards HSC. So if you're seeing that from afar, that's what's going on in downtown Winnipeg on Spence Street. We've got that structure fryer. And once again, inviting your text messages on the sports you would like to travel to see. We want to give you tickets. You have a choice to see the Doobie Brothers in October or the Jets later on this month. 204-780-6868. But we want to start this half hour, major topic of conversation, just about any day of the week, Loren, if we want it to be. But in particular, over the last 24 hours or so, as the province made a huge commitment for infrastructure spending, an interchange at St. Anne's in the perimeter, the twinning of the final section of the Trans-Canada to the Ontario border, and improvements to Highway 6. They're all on the list of projects the province say will soon see an injection of cash. So in theory, the investments should ease congestion, improve traffic flow, but also make things more safe for drivers, Volker Beckman represents a group that's been pushing for major changes in Highway 6, which is the highway from Winnipeg to Thompson. He's been asking for change for years now. Last year was over 50 to 60 names that we could find people who've been in everything from rollovers to broken necks to paralyzed to deaths. And I personally know at least 18 or 20 of those. And I dare politely dare anybody in Winnipeg to make a list of 18 or 20 friends that they know who have been in accidents on the highway. It's very, very uncommon when you're twinning uh, highway number one in, in southern Manitoba, which is great. But if they're twinning, and I heard that it was only to Gross Isle, there's a long, long stretch of, of pavement left from Gross Isle to Thompson and to Gillum to come. That twinning is a start. I think it's $41 million towards improvements to Highway 6, so we might see some twinning and maybe some additions like passing lanes or other. The details are still to come. And, you know, a caveat here, this is a big announcement. I don't know how much of it depends on budget passing. It's a five-year plan, dollars that may or may not be there should this oh government may or may not be elected. We're working to work that out. But I think both sides of the aisle at legislature would agree they'd like to see our highways get better. And our next guest, of course, wants that too. I jokingly called him the road professor, but he's an engineering professor at the U of M. His job is to study and share the latest and greatest in technology. And we're joined this morning by Ahmed Shalbi. Good morning. Good morning, Loren. Well, when it comes to safety, you know, we always say, let's make the road wider. Let's make it bigger. Let's twin it. That can be costly. What else should we be considering when it comes to just making our roads safer to drive on? Yeah, that, that all has to deal with priorities. Uh, normally, when roads are twinned, they're not twinned only for safety. It's generally for uh, increased capacity, increased volume of traffic, in addition to safety. Uh, the issue with twinning is it is uh, very, very expensive, of course, and, and the cost uh, includes additional uh, bridges and structures, additional land that may have to be acquired. Uh, so you cannot have too many twinning projects. And that's what we're, we're seeing. We're seeing a few twinning projects. When it comes to rural road safety, which is something I feel very strongly about, um, um, together with your caller, uh, it, it, it's, it, it is in need of uh, significant improvement. And uh, those can be uh, in the form of uh, additional uh, passing lanes, uh, uh, correcting the alignment. A lot of these roads are older, and were built uh, to different standards and different codes um, of the time. And when it comes to updating them now uh, to meet current standards, we'll see that uh, you know, a good number of curves, for example, are 
um, too narrow or too tight and need to be realigned uh, to improve safety. Um, uh, addition of um, guardrail and, and, and other measures on the road to help. Uh, it, of course, it all depends on the type of uh, safety issues on those roads. So if, you ha- if you're dealing with things like uh, crossover collisions or, or head-on collisions, then you're looking for ways to separate the traffic. And those can be done without twinning. Twinning is considered to be kind of the the most expensive measure and and one of the best measures, but it's very, very costly. Uh, Professor, I get frustrated uh, in the city and around the province when something simple like line painting isn't done uh, in in the springtime. I know in the winter it can be a little bit of a challenge, but but simple things also like reflective uh, stanchions along the side of busy highways just to make them brighter and to make uh, where I am on the road more visible and maybe something simpler, simple like shoulders. Can they make a difference? Definitely. And and, uh, especially shoulders are one of the most important safety measures. So we build a whole lane uh, outside the road uh, as a shoulder to improve safety. And, and if you look at uh, road design over time, over you know, 30, 40 years, uh, roads, including Trans-Canada, didn't used to have shoulders. It used to be a gravel shoulder right beside the, the painted line. And, and, and look at any new updated um, roads, and you'll see sometimes a full lane uh, on the roadside. So you know, knowledge about safety has improved. Uh, we see those in all the projects that are uh, being done today, made to meet current safety standards. Uh, but, but as you can appreciate, this is uh, uh, adds quite a bit of a cost to uh, to uh, the projects, and it's not a matter of basically uh, repaving a road, or because you know some of these safety upgrades require reconstruction. Yeah, it's not as simple as we might want to think it is sometimes. And of course, there's not a bottomless pit of money, which I recognize. And, and so this sort of brings us to the next question I have, because we're working on changing the technology we put into the roads. What about our cars, the vehicles we drive and their capabilities now? And I'm thinking of everything from the speeds that they can go to the fact that, you know, I can use my phone and all these things through the car. And that contributes to safety or lack of safety on the road. It, it does, Lauren. That's uh, absolutely right. And I, I feel that uh, in Canada and in the U.S., we are behind in terms of uh, controlling these safety standards. I see in Europe, for example, there is a lot more technology coming in to improve safety, including things like speed limiters. Why uh, in the world would you need a car that can go 200 kilometers an hour? We don't. We, we don't need cars that exceed the speed limit or you know, to double the speed limit. Uh, but we, we can see now newer vehicles are made to be larger, faster, and, and basically more dangerous. And, and, and that's something that needs to be uh, somewhat controlled by standards. Sorry, did you say, is there laws in other countries that would limit the speed ability of a car? It's coming in Europe, yes. Would limit the speed to, you know, at, at a very high level, uh, maybe 280 or 160 kilometers an hour. But um, it, because basically it's unnecessary to go above those speeds and, and having um, that made to be a standard in vehicles um, reduces speed on the road. So we don't have incidents. We, we have incidents on uh, even on the perimeter of vehicles traveling over 200 kilometers an hour. And, and you can appreciate that no car is built to go at that speed. No car is, is safe at that speed. And, and even other vehicles on, road are, are on the road are not safe at that speed uh, also. Oh, unless they're in a very, very controlled situation like a drag strip 
where they're, you know, right, there are uh, all sorts of safety precautions taking place, and that's for testing purposes, racing purposes in a very controlled environment. Uh, I'm also interested in some of the moves insurance companies in particular in the United States has made where where if you want lower rates on your automobile insurance, you can have basically what's a what's a eye in the sky or or plug and play a piece of technology that monitors the way you drive are you aggressive in your driving aggressive in your braking all sorts of different things that can be monitored in order for insurance companies to to give you a lower rate is there some hope in 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 those programs professor that that, that they may make our, our road safer down the road Definitely. Uh, we, uh, you know, in, in Canada, our insurance companies have been taking, you know, a standoffish uh, kind of approach to this. They are really not engaged in road safety as much as they should be. And, you know, I, I wish if our rates are linked to how aggressive we drive. This is, this is something that is easily monitored. We have technology in the vehicles to monitor how many times you exceeded the speed limit and on what road. What speed were you driving on which road? It's easily monitored. And if we um, uh, can provide this information. You know, I, I look at it as I mean, um, if I drive cautiously and uh, under the speed limit, I should see some benefit into in my insurance rates. You know, there's I'm someone somewhere, driving. someone somewhere there. Sorry to cut you off, Professor, saying, "Hang on, I don't want the government to be monitoring any more than it might be already." So, what's your counter to that? Uh, the counter to that is it has to be voluntary. I have to uh, participate, agree to participate, and in, re- in return, I would get uh, an, an insurance reduction. But I, I would say that uh, insurance in Canada has not really taken that approach at all and has not engaged in road safety to the extent they should. The road professor. University of Manitoba engineering professor Ahmed Shalabi joining us this morning. We always uh, feel smarter after speaking to you, Professor. We appreciate your insight, and uh, thanks for always being available to us. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to both of you. Thank you. We've been talking about the places you'd like to go, the sporting events you'd like to see around the world, not the ones you have seen, but the ones that you'd like to see. And we have for our winner today, the choice of Winnipeg Jets tickets or Doobie Brothers concert tickets. Loren, what does Paul have to say? Paul, honestly, all these ideas are so great. They're making me want to partake in them. So I am sporting events on my must-do list, Wimbledon and the Boys of Aim Turtle Derby. (laughs) Very good way to pander to the south uh, southwest we both Manitobans. Love our southwest, yeah. That's right. So uh, I don't know if the Boys of Ain't Turtle Derby is a thing anymore. I'll have to have to Google that. Uh, first time texter, uh, welcome. First time texter says my wife loves music and I travel and travel for our tenth anniversary. I took her to Ireland and did a few days of pub crawls, listening to the best music and a few pints of Guinness. I want to take her to Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado to see Duran. Duran, that would be fantastic. What does Dave have to say? That amphitheater has come up before. Uh, oh, yes. At some point, people got sidetracked. We were looking for sporting answers and then started getting people weighing in on concerts they'd like to see because it just sort of conjures up all these hopes and dreams. Yeah, they're right? sort so, of uh, getting in on the spirit of our show and the way our, our show goes off the off rails the from rails. time to time. Someone texted about going back in time. They really went off the rails. I love it. So Dave says, if I could travel anywhere in the world to see any sporting event, it's an easy answer. I would stay here. See my Jets playing a Stanley Cup final series in a giant sea of whiteout jerseys as the fans blow the roof right off Canada Centre. It couldn't get any better 
than that. Dave, you were so close. Diane is our winner. The sporting event I've always dreamed of taking my daughters to is the Olympics as they are competitive athletes themselves. One's a gymnast, the other a synchro swimmer. Selfishly, I've always wanted to attend the World Cup of Soccer. I've also wanted to go to another Jets game. Diane, you are our winner. I'm guessing you're taking the Jets tickets, but we'll reach out to you via text. Find out for sure. We've been talking about going to see a sporting event anywhere in the world, Loren. And that was our contest question. Tickets, it's, you know, tickets are sometimes the biggest issue when it comes to traveling for sport. How do you secure those tickets? How do you make sure you're going to be in the building or at the venue when these big events take place? Sometimes the only way to get a ticket to these events is via the resale market. And here in Manitoba, that's sometimes not always possible. So they're talking about changing the laws around resaling. And True North Vice President Kevin Donnelly says these new laws allowing the resale of tickets on certain platforms, in his opinion, is a great way to protect consumers against what would be an unregulated gray market. Because he points to what are now considered new legitimate avenues that resellers and customers would be able to take part in. Going to sites that we can't assure them that the ticket transaction is is legitimate so the new law we are absolutely in favor of it they're they're going to um, rewrite the ticket selling law that will allow resale above the face value which will allow Ticketmaster and us and other companies who are authorized owners of the tickets to direct people to go to so Donnelly added event hosts will also be able to implement base prices so low demand concerts or games don't dip too far below face value. And Loren, I don't know if you were here or not on the morning we had one of our listeners say she accidentally purchased yep. an extra Bruce Springsteen ticket. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. Put it on the, you know, put it on Ticketmaster. You can resell it as I I mentioned on the air and I'll reiterate now, I, if Bruce Springsteen hadn't been coming to Winnipeg, I was doing my best to find a place somewhere else to go and see him. And every single venue I looked at, and based on what you're going to hear right now, every single venue in North America where Bruce Springsteen is playing has an opportunity to do something that you can't do in Winnipeg. Using Bruce Springsteen as an example, you could go to Ticketmaster uh, to purchase a ticket for that show in Calgary. It's sold out, but Ticketmaster has resale opportunities in Alberta that allow you to buy those tickets at whatever the price is. In Manitoba, we can't get Ticketmaster to turn on their resale platform because of the current law. So with this change in law, we'll be able to tell people, go to our authorized ticket vendor, uh, it's Ticketmaster, and you can buy tickets for Bruce Springsteen on the resale market, knowing you have 100% surety that the ticket's legitimate, valid, and all that detail is, is, is there for you. So this is a good, a good first step in ticketing, it's all about consumer protection, giving people a safe platform to transact tickets, buying and selling. I know people who bought tickets uh, during the Jets' uh, run to the Western Conference final mm-hmm. on one of these gray markets. Tickets did not exist. They'd probably been sold three or four or five times to unsuc- 
suspecting fans clamoring to get tickets to see the Jets. StubHub, of course, exists. So there are all these other gray market. There always have, has been a way to get tickets for any event. I mean, in British Columbia, where I spent a lot of time as a kid, my grandparents lived there. I can remember being at several gray cups and you'd go into the Vancouver province want ads and there'd be row after row, column after column of gray, tick, gray cup tickets for sale. That was illegal in British Columbia at the time, but it didn't stop it from happening. If this law is passed, how does it work for the resale of tickets that happens at the at a value greater than that ticket was purchased for? That would be allowed. So if I bought a ticket for hundred bucks. I can mm-hmm. go and sell it for two hundred. Yes, legitimately. Legitimately. Hmm. Because that's been an issue too. People have purchased tickets and. The value does go up for certain games, right? You might have, if you think of the playoffs, yes. you might, you don't get an advantage now, but okay, let's say we get down to the wire and you buy a ticket for the end of the season for the Jets. And that game is the game that right. decides our future as a team. The value of that ticket's worth more than what I might've paid for it now. Most certainly. And so in the past you've had, when you go through the legitimate routes, just even through the ticket exchange, you had to keep it at the same price, no? Uh, that, that's a great question because I never sold any of my tickets that way when I was a season ticket holder. I usually gave them to friends well, or something. I'm them even to thinking the Leafs games neighbors. are always huge. The Blackhawks right. games. There's so the ones Jets, that you would say, like, look, I had paid X right. dollars for these, but now you really want them. I've never done this. I'm just throwing that out there because the counter to that would be, well, that's unfair. The ticket value is 200 bucks. Leave it at $200. But the value changes depending on the demand. And so you've seen this dynamic pricing, they call it, come sure. into effect for concerts all over. North America, and that's on the legitimate market. And let's be honest, a big part of this is the artists and the venues are sick and tired of seeing their $300 product or their $50 product get marked up 100%, 1,000%, 3,000%, and somebody else, uh, you know, a ticket broker mm-hmm. uh, making all the money off this. So make no mistake, for as much as they're trying to protect the consumer here, a big part of this has to do with them seeing money slip right through their fingertips because they were the original holders of this commodity and now they're seeing others making a ton of money off of this. And so they see this. That's why you see dynamic pricing. That's why the Winnipeg Jets tickets uh, for Toronto Maple Leaf games are priced differently than the games versus the Arizona Coyotes because the Jets know more people want to see the Leafs and see the Coyotes. And so when you purchase tickets... Even the time, sometimes the, the, the date day of, of the, the week the will make a difference. The day of the week makes a difference, yep. Absolutely. And this is not exclusive. The Jets were probably one of the last teams to implement this. This has been something that's been happening for years and years. And so, uh, you know, it's a two, like I said, it's a two-fold incentive here. One is to protect the consumer, absolutely. But just as big in my mind is is the original uh, proprietor of these tickets is sort of sick and tired of seeing other people get quote unquote rich from their product. Well, it starts with them. And then if they're trying to make money, which, which everybody's no one's, you know, it's not a charity. Oh, I'm not, I'm I'm not casting aspersions. No, I'm saying I get it. Like I I get it at the very least that I understand. I don't always like it when it comes to certain pricing for certain concerts and the rest, but I get it. It's, you know, yeah, that's what the market will bear on uh, so many things. But quite often that market is a gray or even a black market for tickets. And sometimes the problem is those tickets don't genuinely exist and people do get taken advantage of uh, with regard to selling tickets that they will never, ever see 
from an unscrupulous uh, seller trying to make a buck in an unscrupulous fashion. Your feedback, 204-780-6868. Your commentary, your take, your thoughts on this. We've also been talking about highways for a lot this morning, Loren. Did you want to revisit that for a moment before we bring on Hal? No, just super quickly. We talked about the idea of things you do to keep safe. I mentioned I always put my car on cruise control in certain zones because I just don't want to have that heavy foot. And someone said, you can't go lower than 30 or you can't go lower than 50. The feedback from most now is the newer cars don't have a limit at least to 30. So you can set your cruise at 30. And I'm still waiting on the answer and the question as to whether or not you're allowed to do or what the recommendation might be. But I know for me, when I get in certain areas and I'm especially in the morning when there's limited traffic, I will set my cruise control because I don't want to get caught doing something I'm not supposed to do. And uh, I'll be frank, like distracted driving is sometimes just when you're lulled into that sense of, The drive is the same the whole way in. I got nothing to worry about. And that's when your foot gets heavy. 